This is a Triple J podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. How likely is it that the voice referendum is going to be successful? Like, we know that the vote's going to happen in the next few months. There's been a lot of talk of opinion polls, declining support for the yes side. But have most Australians made up their minds or are they still waiting to be convinced either way? We're going to be talking the voice on this podcast, the polling, the race to win over Australians. We're speaking to a few people, including the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians. We'll also have someone from the Yes campaign. So those chats are coming up. First, though, let's find out a bit more about Gama, something you might have been hearing a lot about over the past few days. Hack, this is a once in a generation opportunity on Triple J. The Gama Festival is huge. It's Australia's biggest gathering on Indigenous culture, on politics, and every year people make their way from all over the country to northeast Arnhem Land in the NT to be there. As you just heard, the Prime Minister was there. So is the Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney, artists like Paul Kelly, King Stingray. So what's it all about? Reporter Sarah Harvey has been at Gama over the past few days to find out. Welcome to Gama, one of Australia's biggest Indigenous cultural gatherings. Each year, thousands of people descend on Gukla, a sacred ceremonial site in northeast Arnhem Land, to get a taste of Yolnu culture. The remote campsite consists of red dirt, stringy bark trees, and for the past four days, it's been home to the more than two and a half thousand people who made the trek up north this year. The festival was started by the Yothu Yindi Foundation way back in 1999 as a way to showcase and celebrate the region's rich culture through art, dance, music and storytelling. It also serves as a forum to discuss political and social issues affecting Indigenous communities from land rights to health, education and constitutional recognition. This year's festival was incredibly significant for locals. It being the first since the passing of Gama founder Unipingu. Unipingu was a staunch land rights activist and perhaps the country's most influential Indigenous leader, his legacy honoured over the weekend. The upcoming Voice to Parliament referendum dominated discussion this year. It was here last year that the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, first announced the draft question for the referendum. Twelve months on, he was back. There was speculation around whether he'd use the occasion to announce a date for the vote, but we're going to have to sit tight a little longer. He did, however, use his keynote address to commit to holding the referendum before the end of the year, despite some calls for it to be delayed or cancelled amid a drop in support for the yes vote. There will be no delaying or deferring of this referendum. We will not deny the urgency of this moment. We will not kick the can down the road. His commitment was well received by attendees, with the majority at the festival clearly backing the Yes campaign. I should note, people opposed to The Voice like Peter Dutton and Jacinta Price were invited and encouraged to come along to the festival, but chose not to, much to the disappointment of organisers. 
The PM described the upcoming referendum as a once-in-a-generation opportunity for much-needed change, saying a voice will go a long way towards improving outcomes for Indigenous people, particularly the younger generation. A suicide rate twice as high in the lucky country. Shocking rates of disease in a nation with some of the world's best healthcare. Surely no leader can honestly say that is good enough. Surely no leader can imagine that change is not desperately and urgently needed. While many of the young people here at Gama aren't yet old enough to vote, the voice was still very much on their minds. You don't really have a voice sometimes. That's Erica from Darwin. She says she's worried her future is being decided without input from her and her peers. We should get more decisions from the youth because I guess the decisions that are made now can affect us in the future, definitely. The teenager says if she was in charge, the first issue she'd address would be the educational opportunities, or lack thereof, on offer to Indigenous kids in the bush. I know that some people don't really have as much like opportunities in school or like have a good education. So I would definitely, you know, if I was a leader, I would definitely try fixing the school system. For Nullumboy local Jeannie, the voice is the way forward. I think that it's really important for, um, for all of Australia and especially First Nations Australians and that everyone should vote yes because it will help a lot of people and it'll let a lot of people be recognised and their rules and stuff. When thinking about her vision for the future, it's all about representation. I'd like to see a lot more Indigenous people in Parliament. That would be really good. Maybe like an Indigenous Prime Minister, maybe even a girl Indigenous Prime Minister one day. Maybe you. Maybe me. Who knows? The festival isn't just about politics though. In fact, that's just a small part of what goes on here. Over the four days, Arnhem Land locals host a series of cultural workshops and activities, providing attendees with a rare insight into their unique way of life. As the sun sets over the remote campsite each night, hundreds gather to witness the much-loved bungal. Bungal is the Yolngu word for dance. It's a cultural tradition they've been performing for thousands of years. Every evening, dancers from different clan groups emerge with vibrant clothes and patterns painted over their bodies to perform, each dance telling a different story. The festival wrapping up with a huge night of music from a series of artists, including the likes of Paul Kelly and Arnhem Land locals, King Stingray. Hack on Triple J. Sarah Harvey with that update from the Gama Festival. Big focus on the voice referendum at this year's festival, as we just heard. Got some messages coming through about the referendum in general. Someone says, I still don't actually understand what the yes vote changes or what benefits it has. We'll keep listening. We're going to have someone from the Yes campaign later on in the show. Someone else. Are we going to be hearing from the No campaign side too? Well, yes, actually, right now. (laughs) There were a lot of politicians at Gama. Some chose not to go, including opposition leader Peter Dutton and the shadow minister for Indigenous Australians, Senator Jacinta Numpagimpa-Price. And she is with us now. Senator, welcome to Hack. Thanks for having me. 
Firstly, we've seen lots from Gama over the weekend. We saw the Prime Minister there, lots of Labor MPs. You and the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, decided not to go. What was the reasoning behind that? Uh, I guess because, um, you know, I was there recently for um, the memorial of Mr Yunapingu after he passed away. I'd attended, I've attended Gama before. I'd prefer to be able to have conversations with community members um, with less fanfare. I mean, you know, it, it's a lovely festival and it is, you know, particularly important for the Gumach. They run a very fe- successful festival every year and it's great. But I am quite happy to sit down with community members uh, without all the carry-on. Certainly don't want to steal the PM's thunder. Senator, the Prime Minister has said that there's nothing to fear and everything to gain from the voice to Parliament. I'm guessing you probably don't agree with that, but some listeners might be thinking, well, what's there to gain from not having a voice? Well, I guess I have to represent the voices of those Indigenous Australians who are deeply concerned about the proposal, given that there is very little to no detail on it. Firstly, this idea that as a race of Australians, we are inherently disadvantaged for no other reason but because of our racial heritage is a stereotype um, that the voice is based on. And ultimately, in the long term, what we, what we, what we don't want is an entity like that to exist uh, if we're being successful in, in doing things like closing the gap. And look, the gap doesn't exist between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australia because only 20% of Indigenous Australians are disadvantaged. So our, we should be focusing our efforts on supporting Australians, particularly Indigenous Australians, on the basis of need. But Senator, isn't it statistically clear that broadly across the population of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, life expectancy is eight years lower than the rest of the population. Unemployment is nine times higher. The suicide rate's two and a half times higher. Aren't they just facts that need to be addressed? Uh, yeah, but we should be looking at where, uh, pinpointing exactly where that exists. And that's what I've done in my previous work. And most of that, you know, if you look at the Northern Territory, for example, our population is almost 40% Indigenous. Those who is, whose language, first language is not English, are amongst some of our most disadvantaged, who don't have the same opportunities uh, as a person of Indigenous heritage uh, has this, the opportunities and services and availability in terms of education and those sorts of things in a built-up city. And we need to actually drill down and not just, you know, blanket paint all Indigenous Australians as being uh, disadvantaged. We do have a problem with those who do identify who aren't, in fact, Indigenous. Uh, and that's what I mean in terms of skewing data. It's too simple to um, make blanket statements. And also, this voice does not actually describe, demonstrate for us how it is going to make improvements in any area. It cannot guarantee that whatsoever. Senator, uh, there's definitely this idea from some within the coalition that the voice could be more divisive. It could divide the country. We do have one of the coalition's own MPs, though, Liberal Julian Lisa, and he was the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, resigned from the front bench because he decided he wanted to campaign for the yes side. He rejects the claim that this is going to divide Australians and he says the real risk is the status quo. So just sticking with what's happening now, do you agree that what's happening now isn't working? Well, two things. I would suggest that this referendum has showed itself to be the most divisive referendum we've experienced in our nation. Secondly, 
creating a whole uh, new bureaucracy, an expensive bureaucracy, is something that has been done over again. I would just suggest that doing something differently would be to hold uh, an inquiry uh, and take a do a forensic audit of the billions of dollars that are spent on advancing Indigenous Australians to understand uh, who's misspending it, hold them to account because we've not really done that quite well, uh, understand where it's successfully being used and producing outcomes and support those initiatives and learn where we can where we can support Indigenous Australians better. We don't need an entity which has absolutely no detail of how it's going to work. Australians are being asked to just vote on a fantasy at this stage. Well, I mean, they're voting on the idea of whether there should be a voice, which is what the government and also constitutional experts have been clear to say. It's not on voting on the model. It's up to politicians to decide how it would operate, and it's up to all of Parliament, yourself included. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Senator Jacinta Nampagamba-Price. I mean, the thing that surprises me, I guess, are the similarities and not the differences in the government and the coalition's plans. Like, the opposition has said that it supports recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the constitution. The opposition supports the idea of a voice, but not a national one, so regional and local voices. Given there is this crossover, there are these similarities... I'm wondering, is it actually about not supporting the voice or is this politics about seeing Labor lose this fight? No, look, I think the, the point here is the constitutionally enshrining aspect. Um, as you said, this voice, whatever it is, 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 there is no detail to it. It's to, to be determined after the fact. How can you, I guess, sign a contract without the fine print even existing on the contract? to begin with. So, Senator, I'm just wondering, though, why support a legislated voice and not one enshrined in the Constitution? Because that doesn't that just mean it's easier to scrap later if it's legislated? Um, well, yeah, because if you look at... Look, if you look at what's happening in Western Australia at the moment, they've designed some terrible legislation. Um, the voice could be terrible, and yet it is stuck with us forever. And as I said, it suggests that we'll be disadvantaged in perpetuity. It defeats the purpose of it actually existing in the first place, because ultimately we don't want to have a voice eventually in Parliament that separates us along the lines of race and treats us differently. Senator, we're seeing research that kind of suggests that young voters, Gen Z and millennials, are more likely to vote yes. At the same time, the coalition's got a huge problem attracting young voters, like the Australian election study actually said it's the single biggest problem confronting Australian politics at the moment. Is the coalition alienating young people even more with its stance on The Voice? Oh, well, is Labor alienating old people? I mean, you could put the same question to them, I guess. I mean, I think... You know, traditionally, young people tend to be more left-leaning uh, in their younger years and then lean the other side uh, as they get older. I mean, mm. I'm a mother of four boys. <laughs> I guess the interesting thing about this research, Senator, is that it's also found that older people are less likely to switch their allegiances from left to right. Like you mentioned, has been the case in the past. It's just not happening as much anymore. And the Coalition obviously has a real issue here with attracting young voters. What do you say to the majority of young people who want to see change and are planning to vote yes, what does the coalition offer them? Well, I'd say just don't don't be spoon-fed. Don't be spoon-fed this ideological issue. Go out, do your own research. If you actually truly care about Indigenous Australians, uh, you would understand that we should have our own agency, that we don't need it bestowed upon us 
um, by a government that we're Australian citizens like everybody else and we shouldn't be treated differently like everybody else and understand that it's in fact separatism that's got us to this point, to where we are and the lowering of expectations for Indigenous Australians. Don't relegate decision-making to an entity because of our racial heritage. There's 11 Indigenous Australians in federal parliament and we can't even celebrate that because it's being overshadowed by the voice suggesting that we're, uh, our voices aren't important unless we're part of the voice that's enshrined into the constitution. It's utter nonsense uh, and we need, to be, <laughs> we need to stop the separatism and being treated uh, when we're Australian citizens like everybody else. All right. Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Senator Jacinta Numbagimba-Price, thank you very much for joining us on HARC. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we've got messages coming through on the text line. Someone says the voice isn't about blanket statements at all. It's about finding exactly who needs what and where. It sounds like she should be pro-voice, not against it. Someone else says, I'm happy to hear the no vote is winning. I think it should be. Another person says they say they don't want to legislate a voice, but then they say they do. So that's someone talking about the coalition's stance. And then another person says, I'm having conversations with my family and it's working. People just want to be spoken to directly. That's from Claire in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah, so what is happening? Because as we've been hearing, you know, the, the poll, the vote referendum is just a few months away, but the opinion polls are saying the yes side is losing support. Let's find out a bit more about that. Hack. Based on current voter sentiment, the referendum would fail to meet either of the requirements that's needed to be successful. On Triple J. So we don't know when the vote will be, but we're thinking around mid-October is what a lot of people kind of in official uh, roles seem to be saying. It hasn't been confirmed though yet. In the lead up, as you'd expect, a lot of opinion polls. And what they show is the Yes campaign looks like it's in trouble. So is there enough time to turn it around? Shalala Madora has more. A new poll is out and it spells bad news for supporters of an Indigenous voice to Parliament. This one from Redbridge is the worst for supporters of the voice that we've seen to date. 44% say yes, 56% say no. ABC's data nerd Casey Briggs told insiders the most recent poll follows a trend. Yeah, you can see yes is continuing to slide. We think the average of the polls is about 46.9%. This is off the back of polling last year, where most Australians wanted a voice to Parliament. No pulled ahead of yes in our polling average about a month ago. But keep in mind, the most recent polling doesn't take into account people who are undecided. Former Nationals MP Andrew G, who left the party over its opposition to the voice, says that's a lot of people. I think there is a large portion of the population who haven't turned their minds to it. He says the coalition needs to think about the political ramifications of flat out saying no. The Liberal Party, for example, will find that they have alienated a huge cross-section of people that traditionally would support them. I mean, (laughs) I don't get it. Young people are the most likely to vote yes like these two uni students. I support the voice to parliament because we've been given a yes or no question and I think that we can't say no. I think that like we owe the Indigenous people just one thing at least and that this could be it. You know, I believe that, you know, this voice is going to do more bad than good. But some Aboriginal people, like Dungari man Paul Silva, says the voice won't work. We've been a voice and no one's listened, um, so I don't know 
why they would listen to the voice of Parliament. Shadow Child Protection Minister Karen Little, who is Aboriginal, told RN Brecky that the Coalition wants a voice, but not one that's enshrined in the Constitution. Our position is a legislated voice is the most appropriate way to go. It's the least risky. But it would not, like it would be in the Constitution, it would not be permanent in the way it would be in the Constitution. Mm. Order. Members on my left. Though there's still weeks left to run before a possible vote, the political pressure is on. Education Minister Jason Clare told Question Time that now's not the time for business as usual. You can hear some of those noisy no voices right now. Members of my, members but that unyielding gap between black and white Australians tells us that's wrong. And if we want things to change, then we have to do more than just change what we do. We have to change the way we do things. Hack on Triple J. Shalala Madora with that update. So are these opinion poll results affecting the Yes campaign? Well, let's ask them. We've heard from the no side. Let's hear from the yes. Dean Parkin is the Yes 23 campaign director. He's with me now. G'day, Dean. Welcome to Hack. G'day, Dave. Thanks for having me, mate. As we just heard, the yes vote falling behind the no vote in some of these polls we've been seeing. Are you worried? Well, there's only one number that really matters to us right now, Dave, and that's 40%. Uh, That is 40% of the Australian people, Australian voters, haven't made their mind up on this. They're undecided. They're unsure. Maybe they don't haven't really turned their mind to it. So that is a significant chunk of the Australian population, and we absolutely know that they're persuadable. They're absolutely uh, a possibility of coming across to yes. That is why we're focusing our campaign so strongly on having those conversations in communities across the country. So what are you focusing on? Like, are there particular areas where you're going to be focusing to particular parts of Australia? Well, we're out across the country. Um, We've got 21,000 volunteers um, signed up and they're actively out there door knocking. Um, They're out there at bus stops and train stations. They're at this Saturday market um, talking to people. You know, we had, of that 21,000, 1,000 of those people signed up in the last week alone, which shows the momentum is growing there. And, And it's really important to know that, uh, that more than half of those volunteers, more than half of those 21,000 people, they've never done this before. This is their very first campaign. They're not party political members or unionists or anything like that. They're just Australians from all walks of life getting behind and saying this is important to them. So that's where we've put our effort. That's what excites us because that's where this campaign will be won. So, Dean, the No campaign's got, you know, a bit of a slogan of if you're unsure, vote no. That might be really appealing to some people who are confused by everything they're hearing in the media, elsewhere. What would you say to those people? Well, let's say if you don't know, find out. And understand that this is a very, very simple proposition. All we're asking in a couple of months' time when we're asking people to vote yes, all we're asking is to answer this simple question. Should we recognise Indigenous peoples in the Constitution as the first peoples of this country? And should we do that through a voice, a committee made up of Indigenous peoples to provide advice on the issues that affect their communities? So there's a lot of noise going around and that is designed to distract and deflect from what is a very simple proposition. And as I say, as we get around, Australians, we're sitting here going in 2023, of course we should recognise Indigenous peoples. And of course we're sick of the status quo not being good enough. Let's do something different. Let's offer a new solution. And we do that by empowering the voices of Indigenous peoples to be part of the solutions in their communities. 
This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Dean Parkin from the Yes 23 campaign. Uh, we're speaking about the Voice to Parliament referendum, which is coming up later this year. Hey, Dean, we spoke a bit earlier with the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, and she said this referendum is dividing the country, that there's no detail. Uh, it's like signing a contract without the fine print even existing on the contract. How do you respond to that? Well, that is how the constitution constitution has changed in this country. Before we articulate the detail, before we you know go through all of the mechanisms and so forth, we've got to answer a very simple question first. Should we have one? Should there be a voice? And it's really important in a referendum that that question is answered by the Australian people. It's actually not the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Affairs' decision. That's the beauty of referendums. It's not about politicians. It's about the Australian people. And so it's so important, it is so important that the Australian people come to polling day, understand that this is about a practical change in our communities and say, you know what, yes, there should be a voice. And then parliamentarians like the Shadow Minister have to do their job after the referendum to actually legislate for the detail. That's how this works. That's how all referendum changes have worked. And that's why um, we think that people should know that this is a very simple proposition um, that they can absolutely get behind. We've got messages coming through, Dean, a lot of questions. Someone says, look, you know, if we can't get stuff done now, how will the voice make a difference? Uh, you know, it's probably a big thing to explain, Dean, but how would it work practically for people who want to understand kind of what it means to have a voice? Well, look, clearly what governments are doing right now by themselves on these really key issues like Indigenous health, housing, jobs and education, they're just not working. We see the reports over and over and over again. Um, four out of the 19 targets for closing the gap um, are on target right now and the rest are lagging or getting worse. So this idea that we can just continue to turn the handle on what we're doing now um, and expect different results is, not, is, is just not feasible. We know that when you involve Indigenous peoples who understand the complexities of their communities, who understand what life's like in Halls Creek and in Aracoon and in Brewarrina, actually get them involved, sit them at the table, talking to politicians and bureaucrats and saying, you know what, your policy at the moment is not working in our communities. This is how you can fix it. That's the game changer here. Um, and so that is why we think that uh, this is that practical change that everybody's looking to see. We've been hearing almost half of voters are Gen Z and millennials, so they're younger Australians. They're going to have a lot of power in this referendum. Do you have a message to young Australians, Dean? Well, the young people are our base. You are our base. You are our strongest supporters. Um, so we want you to make sure that we continue that strong um, support for the referendum. And also, I think it's really important that you have conversations with your parents, your uncles, your aunties, your grandparents, some of those need a little bit more encouragement. Some of those need to understand and they, and they will be persuaded by you when you tell them why this is important to you, why this is important to your future. So get out there, show your support and also have those conversations with some of the older people in your families and communities because you could be very important in swinging their opinion our way and help us achieve a successful yes vote. And Dean, just finally, the PM has warned that no other forms of Indigenous recognition are going to be on the table if the voice referendum fails because it's a sign that Australians don't support a voice if that happens. Does that concern you? Well, it's actually, interestingly enough, and the Prime Minister has said this um, before, um, it's, it's not his, it hasn't been his decision to say that. 
it was Indigenous people. We've got to understand that this whole proposal, that this idea that we recognise Indigenous people through a voice, it came from Indigenous people. It didn't come from the PM or the government or anybody else. It came from Indigenous people because we've said we want it, because we want it, because we need practical changes in our community. So people can get behind and support it, knowing that this is a proposal that has been developed and led and, and supported by Indigenous peoples across the country. All right. Well, we very much appreciate uh, your time. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in the months ahead. Dean Parkin from the Yes Campaign, thanks for joining us on Hack. Good on you, Dave. And we've got a lot of messages coming through on this one still. Someone says, I'm engaged politically and the algorithms should have the Yes Campaign banging on my door, but... I'm not really seeing anything. I guess I'm to assume that it's because I live in a really conservative seat. Another person says, I want to know exactly what a referendum is. I feel like a lot of young people don't understand what it means, how the government can advocate and write a question for the referendum. Look, that is a really important part of it. And on Hack Before, we've explained the referendum process, exactly why it's different to other votes, how you uh, get a successful referendum, what you need to do to achieve that. We'll keep doing that over the months ahead, certainly before the referendum date. And another person says, uh, finally, some sense about the voice and hearing from the no side. Someone else says, listening to the senator made me want to vote yes. So uh, lots of different opinions there. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple Jack.